Connor, before I off myself, any positives? <laughs> um, the season's nearly finished. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Claps, claps, claps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through that mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Are You In Shit Form? You Should Try Playing Arsenal podcast. A lighthearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny, my very good friend Bradley Adams. And I'm delighted to say, returning to the podcast, the legend that is... Tiki Taka Connor. Welcome, Connor. Welcome. How are you? Thanks for having me on, guys. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> right, you doing all right in life, generally? Uh, yeah, doing all right, mate. Yeah, sweet. As, as good as always, what about you? Not too bad, yeah. mate. Not too bad. We're alive. That's all you could ask for from Arsenal. Boys, I do have some stats that might kill you off. This is the second time this season that Arsenal have lost three consecutive Premier League games. That's the first time that's happened to the Gunners in the Premier League era. We've had two goals in our last 72 attempts. And uh, going into the last three games, Crystal Palace hadn't won at home in, t- in 2022. Brighton had won none of their last seven games. And Southampton had won none of their last six games and lost their last four in a row at home. Oh, God. Lord have mercy upon my Brad, soul. do you want to start with your word of the game? Uh, yeah, my word of the game uh, is Fork. Because I believe that this is a fork in the road. Very good. And this has also been a forking nightmare. Um, no, I've, I, we're at a split uh, with this. Um, it's going to go one or two ways. I, I said this on the podcast, uh, I think on our review of the January transfer window, that not bringing a single person in was Arteta and Endu gambling with their futures rather than the club's. And right now, that gamble does not look like it's paying off. We look just as likely to lose out on fifth and sixth as we do fourth. Our next three games are United, Chelsea and West Ham. We could easily lose all three of those games with the way that we're currently playing. And, you know, Ronaldo's bagging hat-tricks. I know it's against Norwich, but we can't we can't get shots on target at the moment, let alone any goals. You know, you've just said two goals in 70 attempts. This is a real... This this kind of game will be either the the start of the end uh, of of this entire regime, or we'll see what people are actually made of, and we'll see us come out swinging. And unfortunately, with what I'm seeing, it looks like the former rather than the latter. This feels like kind of the start of just kind of pushing away from the desk and going. Well, it was a good run. We we gave it a go. This might be a bit niche. Do you remember, well, I, I certainly did this as a kid, when you watched a really bad game of football as a kid and used to go out in the garden and then I'd smash 50 goals into a net just to like get the frustration out. That was one of these games for me. It was absolutely head-banging. Um, my word of the game is reaction because we needed one from Palace and Brighton and we didn't get one. Um, wasted 45 minutes playing at a snail's pace. We had, I think in the first half we had 43 th- uh, final third passes per shot. I mean, no one taking responsibility. I thought Arteta was far too reactive taking off the wing backs. Um, we needed the width to stretch the low block. And instead we had Pepe standing basically in offside position, blocking Saka. 
other side, Smith Rowe, Martinelli, both trying to cut in. We got and, and Sanson were really compact, really nicely, nicely shaped, and we had nothing to stretch them. It was no point. We had too many sort of exclamation point players and not enough facilitators. Um, and a reaction is is what will lead to that. But I just I, I can't see where it comes from, Connor. What's your word of the game? My word of the game is Azanine. Uh, which means foolish or stupid. And I'm going to direct that straight to Edu and Arteta for their January shenanigans, as you mentioned just a moment ago, because we are in the shit because of that. It's completely down to that, in my opinion. And we've had the biggest open goal of getting top four in the vet, like, Man United are crap. Tottenham are crap. We are crap. But we had the opportunity to not be crap quite easily. And we've missed the biggest open goal we'll ever have at getting top four. Because next year, it will be us. Nice upcoming young team. We will be fighting against Conte. He will probably still be at Spurs, who is a nuts manager. Everyone knows that. Um, they're going to get better players. Man United aren't going to piss about. They're going to be ridiculous next year because they won't stand for it. They're going to have a actual manager who's capable of doing things as well. And then you've got the other three who are already there. Chelsea aren't going to mess about. Hopefully they just fall off the edge of a cliff, given what's happened, but you never know. Um, and Man City and Liverpool, they're just out of this world, them two. They're not going anywhere. So it's not going to get any easier. Um, and we've blown it, in my opinion. But yeah. You also have to look at the fact that... So we're only in contention for top four, like you say, because United are shit. I mean, we were we were talking about third at one point because Chelsea have been shit and and Spurs are shit. Imagine if they hadn't been shit this season. Like, where the fuck would we be? Because we, we're, talk, we'd be we're talking... where we are now. No, like, but we, we wouldn't be we're that talking far about... off, like, We wouldn't have been that far away. Like, we'd be where we are now, but, like, we'd probably look at it, like, a bit differently because we were in fourth. We'd be like, oh, well, we actually got a chance here and we've blown it. We're not looking like that, but, like, a lot of people said to me at the start, oh, you'd have probably taken fifth or sixth at the start of the season. I probably oh. would have. Absolutely. Listen, six six is, is the minute was all I've always said is the minimum expectation for me. But I think what I'm saying is is if Spurs hadn't had you know, we had a bit like what? How how many games was Nuno in charge for? Six? So we basically had six games on Spurs because they were just fucking about. United have been all over the place all season. If those two teams had just had their heads switched on from the start of the season, it becomes about us challenging for sixth with West Ham. And us trying to fight off West Ham for sixth. And that's important to recognise that next season, we're going to be nowhere near a top four fight. All of the teams above us and around us are going to get better. We will get better too, but we're still young. So we're still going to need time to grow into that. We needed a strong end to the season just to give us confidence going into what, what again, will be a difficult season next season. Because we're not going to be able to compete on levels with, with these teams. So we're looking at it going, oh, do you know what? It was, it's been quite a good season because, you know, we've managed to challenge for fourth. We've managed to challenge for fourth when we had a, a free six-game hit on Spurs because they were shit. United have been shit all season. Like, that's important context to remember. What, and where, where would we be? We would be in sixth if either of those two teams had just had their heads screwed on. I do have a little bit of sympathy, and I'm going to counteract that in a second, for for Mikel, because I, I feel like every single squad hole that we have has been exploited. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel as though, you know, 
we were we were really struggling at centre forward. When we sold Aubameyang, it looked as though Lacazette might be able to get us through to the end of the season. It hasn't happened that way, and that's been exploited. We have become more and more reliant on Partey. He's got an important injury. Fullbacks have been really really important this season. Both of our first choices are out, and I so I do have a bit of sympathy in, in that sense. But also what you said, Connor. Ultimately, that comes down to recruitment. And if you leave yourself short, you are always going to take that risk and take that gamble. And and you know, it's it's like everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. See what I mean? It, which is which is frustrating as a fan, but also ultimately, whose responsibility is that in the end? And and yeah, it's you know, I'm 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 keen to see how the rest of the season plays out. Obviously, you know, I'm I'm always open to giving people a chance, but that. January transfer window just does look more and more stupid <laughs> the, the longer we go along. You talk about fullbacks as well. We signed one in the summer that was meant because the end of our season last season was derailed by injuries as well. This is this is history repeating itself. You know, yeah. the yeah. the we us playing Xhaka at left back and going out to Villarreal, us playing Xhaka at left back against Brighton. It's it's the same patterns and the same things happening. We were meant to have signed two players in Laconga and in Tavares who were good enough backups, mm. and we haven't seemed to been the beneficiaries of that situation because we you yeah. know we 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 haven't been playing Tavares. Tavares also hasn't been playing well. And then, okay, we now can't play Tavares without having Tommy Asu on that right-hand side. So why is Cedric still at the club? Why didn't we go get another right-back of the same profile of Tommy Asu? If, why didn't they keep the right-back that they had in the club in January, but they sold him for yeah. £2 million to Aston Villa? Why did yeah. they do that? Hmm. So, yeah, that's a good point. Callum James, mate, what, what the hell were we doing? Get rid of him. It's not even £2 million. It's not even £2 million. It was free, and it's £2 million in add-ons. <laughs> you can't just sit there and like hammer them for all the shit decisions they do because they do do some really bad things but they do do some good things as well but like that is another one and just part of that January transfer would have made zero sense at all you, but you kept Cedric but I don't think Cedric's been that bad but like Chambers I think he does offer a bit more than Cedric like he's got a better delivery he's taller he's better, like, better defensively I don't know. I just, I just much prefer Callum Chambers to as a player to Cedric overall. But well, well, that's, he, he's stylistically he's similar to to Tommy Asu, and and yeah, I think I think you're right, Connor. Like, yeah, there are decisions that have been made that are really really good. The talent ID has massively improved over the last couple of years, but it just feels as though, as I say, that the, the decisions in January were just have have left us completely up shit's creek. And Brad Connor completely did us on word of the game. We need to up our game. Asinine, unbelievable. Yeah, right, let's get into the game. Sensational um, work. I felt as though we needed to sort of reconnect our front four, five, um, and I saw some interesting adjustments to do that. Um, Sam B dropping into the third centre back at times, which was I, I quite liked because I, I felt as though it kind of puts good players in those zones. Um, adjusting according to the sort of fullback position, we got Nuno much further up the pitch and Jack it into midfield, which I think was important. But ultimately, two teams can do tactics. Do you know what I mean? So Southampton forced us wide, um, completely packed the midfield, and we needed those combinations. I think that's partly why um, Tavares played on the same side as Saka. Or, well, more that Saka swapped over to to sort of facilitate those combinations and have someone who's really good at holding the ball with someone who perhaps isn't as technically gifted. Um, Connor, what did you make of the decision to swap those two over, Saka and Martinelli? Do you think it worked? Uh I thought it was an interesting way of doing it. Like you said, two teams could do tactics. No, I don't think anyone was expecting to see Martinelli on the right at the start of the game. I don't remember the last time we'd done that. And then Saka there. So that he put, maybe threw Southampton off a little bit. I think we started all right, to be fair. 
and then they swapped and kind of just fell back into what we've been doing in the last couple of games is just give it to Saka hopefully he does something because like, there's no like, overlap with the way Cedric was playing and then at one point in the game we just gave up the full backs altogether like you said he just <laughs> took them all off so there was no overlapping yeah. the, the the widest player when Martinelli kept getting it he was getting it on like the the edge of the box so there was exactly. no width at all like yeah. making most of the pitch everything yeah. was so compact we had all these forwards on the pitch it was just like so unbalanced and just I don't know he just threw a bit of a Hail Mary at the end I think I'll tell you just Gave up. Yeah, something's going on with Saka, and I think quite a few of the senior players actually. I would, I would, I would include Ben White and Ramsdale in this. Although I've seen Ben White's got some strapping on him, so I'm not sure it could be struggling with an injury. Is it confidence? I, I mean, Brad, you know, I, I think Saka has. I'm not saying he's lost the ability to beat a man one v one, but I haven't seen him do it in a while. Ramsdale's not playing those balls into midfield. Smith Rowe's struggling with fitness. So not only is it the players that are missing that are causing the problems, but I feel as though there's also the players who are on the pitch are also, for one reason or another, not really doing the business. I don't think it's confidence. I think it comes when you put players... This newfound chemistry we had in the team was there because everybody knew where they needed to be. Everyone knew their roles. Everyone knew their patterns, the way they moved. And making decisions like swapping Saka over to the left, whilst it might help in link-up play because you need him there with Tavares, it means that you're putting him in a position that he hasn't played for long stretches of time across a season versus one that he's looked quite good in. I think also that comes from the fact that we offer nothing centrally. It's really, really easy to mark Saka and to mark Martinelli out of a game when you can literally commit two men to each player when mm. they're coming down that channel and down that side, because there is no threat through the middle. And then we decide to, okay, Sack has been marked out of the game. Let's get it back to, you know, our pub Sunday league football right back, <laughs> who's going to whip 16 crosses into the box, none of which are going to connect because we've got somebody who's five foot six in the box. <laughs> and it, it means that we can't, it, it, it gets to a point where if the tactics are, get the ball to Saka and hope he does something, chip the ball over the top to Martinelli and hope he can run onto something. Teams will figure that out. We're so one-dimensional across every phase. Players are now knowing what to do with Ben White into stopping that channel into Saka or stopping the channel over to, Gab to, to Gabby. With no party in the middle, there's no, you know, there's no real burst or break forward from Sambi. That's not his fault. He's a young player learning his craft. But... It's, it's starting to become more and more tactical than it is anything to do with confidence. Martinelli, the last time he was on the right-hand side was the game that we saw uh, in the um, Carabao so, Cup. Who was uh, it? Wimbledon? Mil or w Wimbledon, what was it? Wimbledon. No, yeah. Wim Wimbledon. And yeah. he's completely, he's pretty much completely ineffectual because like he, he's not left-footed. Okay, he came in and, and had a decent shot on that left foot, but it's not exactly his strong suit. You said to me, and this is a really salient point, talent wins out. Stick your best players on the pitch in their best positions Great and they point. will do well. Get it we didn't do that. Get it, get it. I'm going to get it on my chest. We, we did not put our best players in their best positions and then we're, we're surprised that they don't play well. And it, 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 it's, it's a bit baffling. Connor, before I off myself, any positives? <laughs> Um, season's nearly finished. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hopefully, the misery is nearly over. The summer. 
Maybe this is one big Amazon storyline. It's been a good season. It's been a good season. It's honestly been a good season, man. I can't believe it. it's actually. Can't, I don't know why I feel so depressed because I feel like it's been such a good season. Every time I've gone to a game this season, it's been such good crowds. Even when we lost, like the crowd's still been good. Like yeah. everyone's been supporting the players, but on board, like. And one thing, like I know, like it's it's obviously far easier to sit there and belittle us and say, oh, how crap are we and bad are we what not. But if you look at it, like like you said, we lost three games at the start of the season. Everyone was losing their absolute mind. Everyone going crazy. And you look at they've just lost three in a bounce again. People going crazy again. Mind my mind. It like it 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 comes up and comes down. Like it will get good again. It's just the way it is. It's just and they're so they're all so young. So I don't want to sit there and say, "Oh, we're 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 all see, we're actually a terrible football team because we're not actually a good little football team," but the mistakes have been made um, by people who shouldn't be making that level of mistake. When I was said, I was jumped on a Twitter space before this. I was saying, with I don't know, it's like with, with this team, like the, the mistakes, like people who don't know anything about football could have seen this coming, mm. and how do experts not see it coming? That that's like my biggest like. A lot of people want someone to pay about this, like the, the fact that they want someone to pay with their job, like whether it's Arteta or Edu, because it's just them being incapable of doing their own job, and someone wants they want like to see like heads chopped off for it, which is fair enough because they sh- they shouldn't be doing that with Arsenal. Arsenal a big club, you shouldn't be in that sort of position if you can't do your job. So you should never have players out on loan. That you should never have players out on loan who could do a job in your mid, who could do a better job in your midfield or in your forward line or anywhere on in your team. Uh, when it's it comes down fact to there's just one player, there's about three or four of them could probably just like, get in that team right now. It's ridiculous. Um, like Saliba, I understand why he went on loan. I don't disagree that he went on loan. He's one of the ones I probably think. But like Guendouzi is definitely the one that stands out in my mind. Like this geezer's playing for France, and that's. It's been one of, the, <laughs> one of the best midfields yeah. in world football, and he's in the French team. And then you got who else? Have got they got Torreira. Definitely think he could do a job. It might sound stupid, but he could definitely do a job in there at the moment. Like I mean, he's got more experience than the Conga and whatnot. It's just Maitland Niles, another one. <laughs> this goes on. There's just absolutely just you just look at it like that. They're they're the ones who we have, who are at the club still, and then they're literally not available to play for us, and they could get in the team. And then you got the your Bamiang situation, you got Lacazette and Nketiah couldn't hit a barn door. Absolutely useless pair of strikers. But I'll give Nketiah his juice today. I thought he was okay today. Mm. I forgot what it was like to see a striker who can actually like run. I forgot what that was like. So that was fun seeing him actually stretch a defence when Lacazette couldn't do that if his life depended on it. Um, but yeah, still not good enough for Arsenal in my opinion, Nketiah. And mm. like a I think I said on the space as well, like you've got two players there. They couldn't give a shit if we're not going to qualify for the Champions League next season. They're not going to be here. So why do they care? Yeah. So I think, I think it's risky. players in who actually want to, want to be there. Yeah, for sure. And I also think picking up on what you said about risk management, like if everything went perfectly, it's fine to get, let Aubameyang go. It's fine to let Torreira go. It's fine to let Chambers go. Because if we have a perfect solid first 11 performing in exactly the way they were, when the decision decisions were made, fantastic, we'll be fine. But it's that, I, I wonder if it is that experience of going, we are going to run into these types of situations. We're going to be in poor form at some point. Let's hold on to these guys. And I appreciate it's not going to make those people the most popular people around the training ground, but that's not the point of this. That's not the function of a football team. The fu- function of a football team is to win matches. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that, you know... Football's likes- a squad game, mate. Football's a squad game these days. 
yeah. these days. And you look at like Liverpool and City, they're just prime examples of like why you need a big squad. And I don't know, given yep. I don't know, we went out of the cups early, but no one could have like foreseen that sort of thing. We went out early and we still need the squad. And even if you're only playing league games, you still need the squad because not everyone's going to be fit 24-7. Yeah. And I don't think the fullback situation is as bad. It's just the striker one, which, which winds me up more than anything. That is really winding me up. Because um, I don't think our fullback backups are that bad. Like it's just bad luck seeing Tommy Asu. He did one calf, came back and did the other calf. Another, so that's yeah. just bad luck. But like, you wouldn't expect to have both your first choice fullbacks out yeah. for like, a certain amount of time. But everyone knows Kieran Tierney's injury record is the way it is, and he will get injured again next season, and he'll get injured again the season after that. It's just the way he is. And he's obviously still a good player, but you need someone capable of doing. Like deputising for him, and I don't think Nuno is actually that bad. I just think like he's been. Arteta's done a weird thing. Which I think like I like Arteta a lot, as you probably can tell. But the way he's treated Nuno, like taking him off against Forest, he took him off. Against, I can't remember who took him off the other week. Was it Palace? Yeah, Palace, yeah. Took, him off. took him off against Palace. Just, and then he bigged him up in the presser after that. Said, "Oh yeah, he's he's good in that." And then dropped him and put Shaka there. I was mate. <laughs> That's not how you treat someone. Yeah. Uh, personally, I don't think that's how you should treat like a young player, especially like he was good today. I didn't think he was that bad today. Um, I wouldn't say he was good, but he was better than he's been in recent times anyway. Um, needs to stop shooting every five seconds as well. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, uh, put, put put him in the right <laughs> zones and he, he he can be effective. Yeah, but I just, you know, I, I really, I mean, part of the reason I imagine the three of us support Arsenal is the feeling of like Arsenal values of being a classy club, of being a club that, that do things the right way. But when that hurts us, when we when we do things like that at the detriment of the club, so what if we have an unhappy Aubameyang for six months? He's No one is bigger than the team. And that's the job of the manager to, to, to manage that situation and to ensure that everyone gets, you know, not necessarily gets minutes, but everyone understands their role. Someone like Rob Holding is a proper professional and understands his role. And I think I've said many times, we're actually very lucky to have Rob Holding because I don't think many players would play that role. Um, I don't think you could sign someone to do that and become the sort of backs to the wall, come on to see out a win player. But yeah, management, as you say, and, and football is a squad, it's a squad thing, and we've got to we've got to get better at that. Here's a question. Why do average Premier League goalkeepers turn into prime David Seaman when we play them? It's so bizarre. Some of Fraser Forster's saves today were absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> There was one where he like claws it back out of the air. It was unbelievable. There was a stop from Saka. There was a stop from Smith Rowe at one point. I think that was the one where he clawed it. I mean, Brad, you're a keeper. Any uh, any wise words? I mean, it's it just gives me fever dream sweats of David De Gea coming to the, the Emirates and saving about 75 shots on goal. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, it's also because we're not we're not converting our opportunities as well as we could do. We we give people so many opportunities to to save these things. We're taking, you know, that that I, I, while I understand it's obviously difficult to do. That Bakayo Saka shot is far too close to the goalkeeper. I know it's it's not on his strong foot, but it's such a guilt-edged opportunity and he sent it high and back towards the keeper rather than low. And it just, I feel like we we also, uh, this is also a new thing because we're not, we're not creating any high value opportunities really other than maybe one a game. 
we're we're making people look better than they are by fucking again most of our our threat today came came from random long shots and random half volleys when we're off balance about 30 yards out and and we're wondering why we can't beat Fraser Forster is because we're not actually testing him. It's probably the easiest professional game he's ever had in his life. He's had to make one good save all game and that's it. He's 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 done. Yeah. And I think that's really the issue is as, as much as I, I sort of agree with what you say about um uh a Saka's Saka's shot. Ultimately if you have 10 of those a half and obviously, you know, we're living in dreamland there. But if you have 10 of those, one of those will go in. Do you know what I'm saying? But if you only have two, you're going to be sat there mm. going, oh, great save or oh, just, you know, just went wide. If you create enough chances, you're, you're going to get there. But I just, something's broken. And I and I, and I think it's, you know, if, I, if I'm looking back to, for example, the last Southampton game, we looked fluid. We looked in control. We looked like able, if you think about that goal that, that uh, Lacazette scores that just completely travels up, that is peak Arteta ball, chef's kiss, beautiful stuff, right? And we're creating enough chances and doing that. And I think the big difference now is the is the sort of the pipelines. I'm seeing no combinations between Erdegaard and Saka. The left-hand side feels broken down. We have no sort of centrality. We're always pushed to the sides. And that's going to affect our chance creation. And I think then we start to look at these little moments and we'll come to the goal in a second. For example, that goal, uh, from from Southampton, I, I I think you know it's a pretty lucky speculative overhead kick essentially that we're we're a little bit asleep on. But if we're creating more chances, those things don't matter. We get complete. We get so granular about these tiny little moments and go, oh, this player should have done this, that, and the other. And that may be true, but I also think if you're making enough chances, none of that matters. And I, that's the frustrate. The big frustration for me is is the is what feels like a broken team. A team that is that has been found out and has no other answers. And a big problem for me, especially in the first half, was Gabriel was like the only player willing to play between the lines. There appeared to be no one else brave enough, willing enough to, to gamble. I don't know what's going on with White, but I don't see any sort of driving runs. I don't see any chip balls over the top. All those things that were meant to provide all these different options for us to create these chances, I feel like they're completely broken down. So I, I just I feel really frustrated that that's where we are. Connor. <laughs> we're all, yeah, which is at a loss. Oh, mate, it's just... <laughs> it's the, we're being marked out of games. We are, as in those Ben White balls over the top, then they're, they're not happening anymore because, I mean, today Southampton set up with with, a, with three centre-backs. So first, back, Saka's got to, you know, win that win that header against the left wing back and then he's got to go and, and beat another man. And by that point, the other centre-back's over. The same with in the midfield. They're congesting the midfield. I think one of the main reasons that you saw Gabriel being the only one um, allowed to to kind of break the lines is because th- he they they think he's more of our weakness when it comes to doing that than our strength. Yeah, you know? the space. So they'll close. Th- 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 this is what Southampton do. They don't press in a way to win advantageous positions. They press in a way to guide the ball. And they did that perfectly today. You watch when Ben White picks up the ball, they all press in and pick up positions. That means he he has no option to drive forward. There's no point in him trying a chip ball over the top. And he has no no one in that centre pocket available for him to, to break a line through. So he has to go back to Gabriel. Gabriel is the only one being allowed to do so. And by that point, he's going into such a congested area that there's there is nothing that we can do. We we offer nothing centrally at the moment. 
and we we haven't for for a long long time and we're like we're only missing two players like en- Enketia is a player that we've kept for our squad like that's a player that we've decided is good enough to play minutes for Arsenal we're only missing as in we physically can't select oh three players I've got about Tomiyasu but even then Cedric's been playing long enough to have known a role and know what to do so realistically we're missing two players like why where's the drop off if if the system is good enough you shouldn't lose two players and then become completely defunct it's almost like we like we've lost two players and we've now just lost the blade of the sword we we're just stu- like stood here shaking a handle fucking hoping to god that something's happening and it's just not because there's no idea once once we're once we're marked out of a game once Saka and Martinelli have got no joy we don't offer anything in any other channel or in any other space. Mm. That's why we cross I, all the time. I, things are this this uh, maybe of a hot take, but when Arteta came in, he didn't have his players, and they weren't his players, and he moved us to a system which basically made us play shit house football. Play three at the back and stickle Bami and Lacazette up front, pretty much, and just hopefully they scored. Um. Arteta's got his players in and we've been unreal. And no one could deny it. As soon as he got his players in, we've been unreal, done the job, got the job done. Like I said, lost a couple of players now and then they're back to being morons again. Why doesn't he return to back to like how he did when he he did well with shit players and just go back to that because he, he knows he can get results doing that. Like This isn't about playing... Perfect football now. We've played nice football in a 4-3-3 with our good players. Mm. We're now missing two very key players in the team. Why don't you go back to playing three at the back and just play for the result? It doesn't yeah. I don't care if you score, you win 1-0 from a corner every game, mate. Like you're, you're trying to get the Champions League. And it's not just about, oh, Champions League nights at the Emirates. That's going to be amazing. Obviously, it will be unreal if it ever happened. But <laughs> it's about attracting the best players in the world. And people want to play in the Champions League. And we are behind. If Tottenham get Champions League, like they're going to get the pick of the bunch. We we are very similar to Tottenham in terms of sort of players we can tend to go for. Like we we, we don't really get any. We're not going to get anywhere near like the Harlands, where the Man City and Man United and Liverpool are going to be going for them sort of players. But like Tottenham tend to go for the same sort of players as we do. So they're going to get the pick of the bunch if they do get top four, and that's just going to leave us more in the shit. So just. I don't like his stubbornness. Sometimes he's very stubborn. He reminds me of Wenger a lot in that way. Wenger used to do it mm-hmm. all the time. Sometimes you used to think Wenger would do things just to like make a point and it would hurt us. And I think Arteta's kind of the same. Well, I, 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 I like that he's got values and stuff, but sometimes, mate, like, fuck me. Can you just like get your head out of your arse for a minute and just look what's going on here? Like, because I love Arteta, but he's, he can, fuck me, he can wind me up. <laughs> yeah, there's a lack of pragmatism that I agree. You know, is it a is it a three four three or whatever it is? You know, can we can we find some different options? I mean, I, I suppose something that was different. The question today was, is though, should some... we have to? Well, I think principles. Like, are great. We've been building this squad for two and a half years. We've spent two hundred and fifty odd million pounds. Why? Like for me, I'm thinking about progress. We've spent a lot of money. We've brought a lot of players in. We've yes, we're having to get people out of the door, but should we still be in a situation two and a half years down the line, two hundred and fifty million pounds spent, however many players in and out, where we're now having to go? Well, fuck, we're going to have to return to a to to shit house in results. 
Because that no. just that just feels like, well, what has the last two and a half years given these players? Why, why, why are we having to do that? Okay, the recruitment on surface level is good, but for two and a half years, the recruitment hasn't been good enough if we're now having to return to what we were doing when he came in in the first place. Yeah, I don't think you can you can look at it like that. Like you're not gonna be able to bring in a whole twenty different squ- 20 players in a one window it's, it's a process isn't it like it sounds like trust the process but like it is it's like you got to, like it's not going to happen overnight if we get in like we did in the summer we got in quite a lot of players a lot of starters as well um, and they've all done really well when they've been in the team he's had his players and have done well but now two of them players key players are out you, you don't have a choice but to go back to what you did before because these players they cannot play in the 4-3-3 without them other two key players being there they've already proven that against Teams who, are, who we should have been beating, beating, yep. beating. Like we're not losing against Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. We're losing against Palace, Brighton, and Southampton. These are not top teams. They're all right, but they're not. They're not as good as Arsenal on paper. Anyway, we should be beating these teams. And if we have to go back to that, so what? Like swallow your pride and just like get over it. Get the result. Three points. You get in the Champions League, and you're, you're laughing. If we got in the Champions League this season, I know we're, we're definitely ahead of schedule. Like no one predicted us even being anywhere near fourth this year. I didn't. Um, we are ahead of schedule, but if we if we'd have got in the Champions League this season, like almost, like, they'll probably shave two, three years off this. Hmm. We're even going for the title. We obviously want to go for the title in about five five years, don't we? We're Arsenal, but like we probably shave off two, three years of that if we get in the Champions League this season. Like we can get. We're not going to get Haaland, but it'd be nice to be in the conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like we've got the money to pay for someone like that, and he's even Haaland's come out and said like it's not all about like money for him. It's like it's, who's got like a decent little project. Like what what's going to be attractive to him? And Arsenal's a big attractive club. Arsenal with Champions League's even more attractive club. Like it'd be nice to be in the conversation because we're a big enough club to be in the conversation with these sort of players. And it's just sad that we basically him being a stubborn twat is just. <laughs> Stitch us up, I think. Basically, yeah, that's it. Him stubborn in January over Bamiang. So, yeah, I th- I think it's like we're a very fragile team, and then when you have someone who is very stuck to their principles, it creates situations like this because he he's gonna be he's gonna be in situations where it's blindingly obvious he has to move on from those things, but. In the, in the interest of the culture and in the interest of the process, he's going to stick to those principles. He's going to stick to trying to play a certain way. And I think there is something definitely to be said for pragmatism. But as you say, Brad, I think you're both right in a way. As you say, should we be two and a half years into this and still unable, you know, so fragile that when one one or two players come out that we're, that we're doing this? But we are. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We are. So, so to me, it's like, well, we have to do something. Um and there's something that we shouldn't do, in my opinion, is Cedric Suarez on free kicks. What the fuck is that about? Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Brad texts me saying... He must take some fucking... Bel- he must take some belting free kicks in training. Because honestly, honestly, I'm shit at football. I could deliver a better free kick than that. Brad said... I'm a fucking I- dog, right? I'm a goalkeeper for a reason. Brad said, if I see Cedric on another set piece, I'm going to drive to Arteta's house and shit on his car. Which seems fair. <laughs> I just, um, someone don't, should I do don't that. get it. Someone should do that. <laughs> oh, uh, Connor, I'm not joking. I'll find it. I'll <laughs> find it. If you want to give him a ring. <laughs> <laughs> give me to me, I'll send him a voice note. <laughs> Have you got his phone number? Fucking hell. Yeah. Have you got his number? <laughs> Do you want it? 
No, I'm yeah. right. <laughs> how the, how the yeah. fuck did you finesse Arteta's number? Are you joking? No, I'm not. I've got Wenger's number as well if you want it. <laughs> how? Have you ever texted them? Uh, no. Too, Too scared. scared. I've texted Eddie though. You texted Eddie? I texted Eddie. <laughs> what did you text Eddie? <laughs> I think, it, honestly, I lost the plot once. I think it was something to do with William. <laughs> it was something to do with William. It was last season. I was like, why have you signed this guy? He didn't reply. <laughs> Do you, know, do, you know, do you know Willian is the only forward that this that Arteta and Edu have signed? Yeah, and he was gone in a year. So. Did you? Did he read you off? Did he, re, <laughs> yeah, did he read it and not reply? Once. Did you get blue ticked? Uh, it just went two ticks. Yeah, just two ticks. Oh, mate. Yeah. I've got two of his numbers. He's got, he's got two numbers, actually, Edu. He's got a Brazilian number and he's got an English number. He didn't reply to either of them. So. <laughs> I'd love, I'd love yeah, to know you got twice, those. So. I'd love to know you got maybe one for after the pod. Um, uh, I can tell you off, off camera. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thoughts on Broha? I quite like him. He's aggressive. He's he can work uh, off either either channel on the left and right. Uh, I think he's got something about him. I quite like. What do you think, Connor? Does he score goals? About eight, I think, this season. Well, yeah. that's more than Lacazette get him in. <laughs> Honestly, I just need a guy. I need a striker who just scores a goal, mate. That's all I want. A goal from <laughs> open play. It's all I ask for. <laughs> It's not a lot to ask. It's not much to ask. When yeah, was the last time we saw a goal from open play that wasn't oh. a deflection? That wasn't the deflection against Brighton. Yeah, I'm a striker. It was 11th of December, I think. It was Lacazette's last open play goal in the Premier League. Oh, my God. 11th of December. It was against Southampton. Do you remember? Right at the end. Oh, oh my God. That was his last goal from open play. And obviously, in case he hasn't got any, so... Fucking hell. He doesn't count. Fucking hell. It's a tough watch. Tough watch. It really is. Know. It really is. Um, it's almost how like is, we've seen it coming. Is, how is Lacazette on a hate 180k a week? <laughs> how he, is... won't be any, he won't be on that soon, will he? He's finessed it. Do you usually players at the end of their contract, they start playing unreal, like, oh, give me a new deal, give me a new deal. He just didn't. He just did he just threw that one out the window, didn't he? He just didn't didn't work for him. No, I'll just I just won't do that. Is it just me who the Lacazette has COVID? I d I'm not convinced. It feels a bit Meza Ozil back injury to me. I'm just not convinced. I don't know why. It's just got a vibe about so it. I know you weren't in training the other day. Uh, yeah. Found out you weren't in training the other day, but just then they come out and say he's got COVID. It's, it feels like the perfect yeah. excuse, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? How can you, how can you contest well, we'll find it? Out. You'll find out by next week, won't we? If he's not in the Man United team, then it's obviously not COVID. So. Yeah. Um, we'll find out. Their goal. Uh, anything oh. to say on that particularly I mean as I said earlier we went to sleep a little bit but I, I also felt it was it's was, it was one of those things that I said earlier if we're creating more chances that sort of thing doesn't matter and I wish we got out a little bit quicker and I, we were a little bit asleep but to be honest it just feels like one of those caught off guard moments it doesn't feel like a huge systemic issue that you know they were exploiting particularly Brad um, I, I feel like I should how it's starting to become a worry that we say that too often that we're always caught off guard by these moments and that's why for that, me it does scream that there's a bit of an issue there that that yeah. you know we we ha this is all about patterns and noticing patterns emerging and you know i feel like if we listen to the last three podcasts that that phrase is said about four different goals yeah i do get you. And, and also about cedric and white side yeah. there's quite a lot of that I, I see that pattern emerging to be fair well, it's because it's, it is our weakest side. Cedric is weak on that side, especially defensively. He's lightweight. He doesn't offer any presence aerially, really. So, and he he consistently... The, th the thing is, is in that moment today, 
no one no one really took control and, and our centre-backs did different things from our full-backs. Ben White either needs to make a decision that he's play-acting off the pitch and stay off the pitch so he doesn't play anyone on side or he needs to get up straight away and push out. Gabriel needs to not be meandering forward and he needs to go with the full-backs and push out or the full-backs need to stay set. But no one takes charge. No one leads the line forward. Yep. And that's why we're caught out. We're, we're left in this kind of middle middle land of nobody making a decision. And it means that, you know, it, it's and it has cost us today. And like you say, we want to be in situations where these these situations, these goals that are going to happen, people are going to get lucky breaks in games. Mm-hmm. It feels like so often, though, it happens against Arsenal. And then it becomes a conversation of, OK, how much of this is actually them getting lucky or us being poor because this is happening all the fucking time. Yep. No, I, I see that pattern coming. Um, I thought it was a decent start to the second half. Um, I thought our, actually our best period of the game was when White was at right back because I thought it was the only period where we could sustain out wide. Um, we had something like 80% possession and we had some chances, you know, Saka cutting inside, the one from Smith Rowe. Uh, Saka and Erdegaard got some decent shots away and there was sort of some sustained pressure. And there was another great save from Forster uh, from from Xhaka. The one thing that really struck me in the second half was how kind of late stage Wenger, which sounds like a terminal illness, and maybe it was, how kind of late stage Wenger this felt, and also how much we miss goals from midfield. This felt like a game where, and as I said earlier, the 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 um the places we miss things in the squad felt like they always get exploited. And a goal from midfield because Sambi, you know, Sambi would receive the ball on the edge of the box. He's not got quite got the ball striking technique to pull something off. Erdegaard doesn't want to have a shot. Xhaka doesn't really want to have a shot. And it feels like someone who would be willing to, you know, I don't want to stick names in, but a Neves award Prowse might, might have a go. And we might, we might be sat here talking about a one, one or even a two, one, because we had a lot of the ball on the edge of the box. I mean, Connor, that feels like something we've got to fix in, in the summer window, right? Uh, yeah, uh, definitely midfield goals, but I think they've definitely improved this year. Smith Rowe is like one of the highest scoring midfielders in the league this year. Um, but I think we have improved that a lot, thinking about it, but considering what it was before that, you know, like Sabios and whatnot, who never scored. Oh, God, um, Sabios, don't. Yeah, like you go back a season before that and you think, like, oh, we have actually improved quite a lot in that position. But you are right, I completely agree. Like, it'd be nice, like, Lukonga hasn't really got the striking ability like a party who will just you, like having that ability party having a long shot I know he never scores them but you've still uh, that's threat. just an option yeah. for, the, for like the defending team I've got to think about haven't they they've got to think about that yep. and if you haven't got to think about it then you can concentrate on marking Saka or Martinelli out of the game which right. closes another avenue for us so definitely something we need to work on and if you take a Neves for example who I'd absolutely love that's a sign he'd, I think he'd be brilliant but I don't want us to get rid of Shaka because I, I really think we will struggle without Shaka. And I know he's a very um, touchy subject between Arsenal fans, but I really think we're going to struggle when he if he leaves, which is a good chance he goes in the summer. Um, I hope he doesn't go, but it'd be nice to have Neves as well. Yeah, it um, depends if we adequately replace. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Jack, definitely. And, you know, the thing, the thing, I, I disagree on midfield goals. Literally, all of our goals have come from the midfield this season. We've got, we've got yeah. two, we've got four goals from strikers this season. Uh, four from our the strikers we currently have. I think Abamyang had what three before he left. Maybe they've come. I think from he had seven member. overall. They've come from wide to me. I mean, I'm talking about Xhaka and and Partey and 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 Sambi. That's where I'm in. And those are the people receiving it on the edge of the box. Um, and those are the people that aren't scoring the goals. 
don't think them sort of positions. Yeah, you look at like Rodri for City. Don't really score that much, does he? But uh, he kind of plays that sort of sort of position, and he's like same Fabinho. I mean, Fabinho takes the pens. That's a stupid example. But like open more like Gundogan, goals, isn't like, it? Like you want a Gundogan yeah, who maybe chips him with five. Up, to, you know I, mean? I see what you mean, but I, if we have a centre forward who scored even twelve goals this season, we're in a much better situation. Like it, it, it's, it's, I think that is definite. That's something, that's the cherry on the cake. We're currently a 20 goal missing season striker, that. mate. A 20 goal season striker would have done us nicely. It's almost Not as even. if we had one in the squad at the start of the season. Oh, wait, yeah, he did. <laughs> Me and Brad had a conversation on the podcast the other day. Do you think, and we'll ask you this question, go round the rest of the Premier League. Would you take every single other number nine, the Lacazette? It's a serious question. The one we got to is maybe Pookie, but I right. think every other team... What we'll do is we'll count how many goals they've scored, scored from open play. <laughs> if they've scored one goal from open play since 11th December, then we'll I'll say them. yes. <laughs> I reckon it's at least 40 of them. Honestly, it's ridiculous. Genuinely, Arsenal have the worst number nine. in the well, the, and also, We have the worst uh, two number nines. <laughs> mate, somebody's, people were talking about his, uh, his assists... And like two of his assists have come from like Martinelli smacking the ball from 35 yards and it going in and Saka doing the same. Like, it's not like he's threading balls. Like, fuck it. Oh, mate, honestly. No, I, I see when people say Lacazette's link-up play is good because it is good when he's in and around the box, like little touches, brings the midfield into play. But when we play counter-attacking football, which is a big thing, but I was quite a young team, so I've got, a lot of them got legs. He's an absolutely ridiculous person to watch when you're on a counter-attack with all these young kids around because they all just fly past him and he's just like... Also, just jogging he, up the street like he's flipping 80 years old. He's ridiculous. He had seven pa- passes last game. Seven passes. So it's like... Oh, did even, he? Even, even offering that, it's like, what's the what's the point? I actually thought Nketiah did well today, to be fair to him. Um, we're running out of time. Before we go yeah, to news did. and he, views... he stretched the team. Before we go to news and views, anything else on the game? I mean, there's there's not much to say, is there? There's 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 you know. I, listen, it's it's fucking heartbreaking. It, this obviously feels worse because we're 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 ahead of schedule, and it was in our hands, and that's why it's so much more gutting. But the manner of it is just that's the worst bit, isn't it? We're beating ourselves. We're not. We're we're literally we're doing a Spurs. We are bottle. We're bottling it. I'm seeing this, this I don't know if you can see it on there. This, this is a screenshot of a couple of days ago. It was we were we were fourth, one point clear of Man U, three games in hand. Uh, Spurs were six points behind us, and we still had a game in hand on them. Yeah, um, they're fucking leaveable, but a job. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we have got a game in hand, and we'd be equal on points, although behind Spurs on goal difference. Um, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Games but, in hand don't count. You lose them all. Game in hand, FC. <laughs> Games in hand, FC. Oh, Brad, we'll me. see you. Yeah. After this. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. News and 
back to news and views where we give you all the news and all your views but mostly else just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts please subscribe turn on notifications leave us a review and please support us on patreon we get access to ad free versions of the main podcast and the preview podcast for just three pounds a month and for one-time support head to buymeacoffee.com where you can buy me a coffee anything you can give monthly or one-off helps the podcast the links are in the show description connor did you see the black and white heartbreaking interview with Granite Xhaka this week? And if so, what did you think? Uh, I was pretty... I, I did watch it, yeah, I did watch it. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting because I didn't think you'd ever come out and do something like that. And I've met Granite Xhaka before in real life and it wasn't a pleasant experience, actually. He was very oh. rude. Um, <laughs> so when he came out and said something on there saying, like, oh, I want to be close to the fans, I was like... You were a fucking twat when I met you, mate. But yeah, um, but yeah, that's, well, I won't get into that. But yeah, yeah, uh, I thought it was a bit weird. But Shaka, like, I've always liked him as a player. Even when he told us all to fuck off, I thought like, hey, he's got some quite big balls doing that. And he's, just, I still think like he's one of our best players. But he's always been like one of them players. Like ever since he's been in the club, I've never qualified for the Champions League. And I'm not saying it's all his fault because it definitely isn't. It's not, not but it's just like one of those things that people bring up like in line of each other sort of thing but yeah th- th- I thought it was quite brave of him to do it I did like that he did it um, and the fact that he said he'd never spoken about what happened against, against that Palace game until then which which I thought was pretty crazy Yeah. Um, but yeah good, good for him for doing it but I don't really need to see players doing interviews in the middle of a literally cri- in the middle of a crisis either. That's kind of annoying <laughs> yeah um, timing was timing was was pretty poor Brad and I spoke about it and Look, abuse, as in at Granite Xhaka, although he's not on Twitter, you are a fucking X, Y, and Z, I think is pretty much never appropriate. I hope your, right? ki- like, I hope your kids start. I hope your kids, yeah. like, that like, is The levels of those, yeah. However, firstly, you're a professional football player, so you understand the position you're in, and I'm not saying it's right, but you, you know what you're signing up for. Secondly, I felt during the interview, there was a massive, and I watched the whole fucking 27-minute thing, there was a massive lack of responsibility taken for, for objective poor performance. Like, and I'm not saying when someone poor, uh, performs poorly, you should then pile on them and, and you know, say X, Y, Z, as Brad say about your family. But you're going to take some pelters, first and foremost. And secondly, you have to appreciate that you have played badly. And there felt like no part of him that was willing to accept the fact that he is part of this issue, do you see what I mean? Like, it the felt problem. as though there was there was no sort of responsibility taken of going, yes, I understand I've not played well at points this season. There was even one point where he talked about cards and he said, look, I'm going to get cards. That's the player I am. Deal with it. And I'm like, no, stop getting cards. Like, what? <laughs> what are you on about? But yeah, Brad felt the same. I, similar, I think. Yeah. Uh, that, that card one, sorry, just to interrupt you there, mate. Um, when he said that, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I cannot believe he said that. And he, he was going like, oh, yeah, I get cards all the time. I get sent off, but I still get played. Like he said it in a yeah. very arrogant way. Yes. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah you, are, you get played because you're one of our fucking best players, you moron. Yeah. So stop getting bloody sent off because we need you. you honestly, I <laughs> yeah. didn't. I couldn't believe he actually said that. Yeah. I, didn't, I, was, I, was so, I was literally in the middle of a tweet. I was going to write a tweet about it. I was like, no, I'm just going to not, I'm just not bother. I'm not going to bite to it. But I thought that was a really weird thing. He came out and said it in that interview about his cards. Really? So, yes. yes. I think the interview itself is is a is a perfect microcosm of exactly who Granite Xhaka is. 
there's zero introspection in it. There's zero looking inwards. There's zero responsibility taken. Granit Xhaka is still the same player he was when he joined from Mönchengladbach. There's been zero improvement. He still could not kick a football with his right foot. We saw it in um, in the Brighton game. He he just can't pass with that foot. If you're a Premier League footballer, let alone a Premier League footballer at one of the top six big clubs, and let alone you 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 claim to want to be good, you have to take some responsibility for your own personal growth and for your own poor performances. And there's none of that. There's there's a constant need to shift onto other situations into mm-hmm. other things. And there's there's no, like Alex says, no responsibility taken. That Crystal Palace game, he's at fault for one of the goals by letting the ball come into the box for a cross for IU to head in at the back post for one. And then we sub on a striker to try and score a goal and our captain is walking off the pitch. So it's no wonder that you're getting jeered and booed. And in moments like that, you don't you don't hold a red rag to a bull. You don't incite a crowd, let alone a crowd that is not exactly known for its temperament. English football fans are not known for being polite people. So taking the armband off, throwing the shirt on the floor is seen as the highest of disrespect towards the club. It is no, I, I, not saying it's right, but it is no surprise that it garners the response that it garners. And it seems like there is a lack of intelligence is the wrong word, but a lack of willingness to intelligently look and go, well, I was definitely at fault for the first incident. And then I escalated the situation again, which then obviously caused the outcome. Mm. Though what no one deserves the outcome, you have to look at yourselves in those scenarios. If I go up and slap the ass of a bull and then take two steps back and hold up a red fucking t-shirt and start waving <laughs> it about, I can't be surprised when it charges me. I'd pay to watch I'm that. I'm just being an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I, I look, two things can be true for, for that palace for that palace incident. One, that Granite Xhaka was playing poorly. And the fans reacted probably un- not unfairly, but they they reacted. And maybe that's not the nicest thing to fi- to hear and to experience. And also, it's also true that to throw the captain's armband, throw the shirt, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and, and and storm off in the way he did wasn't okay. Both both things are probably not ideal. It felt as though in the interview he he was trying to sort of, as you said, Brad, sort of avert that and go well. I only responded that way because of this, which to me is a very immature way of looking at it. And he also is, he's very tied to this idea of like, well, that's just me. And I'm like, all people are fluid. You're not the same person you were two days ago, let alone today. Like new information happens. How haven't you moved on? I don't, I don't understand it really. Um, And, and, and look, as you said, Connor, look, he's a very good player. We need, we need to keep him. And coming back to what we said earlier, I have a sort of slightly different, view of squad building personally and I would always sign players on top and then allow others to sort of move on behind it if they don't work we're going to see if we get that signing right and I'd go for someone like Fabian Ruiz if we get that left left eight left six signing right we will see the difference and we will see having someone who's more mobile um, able to carry the ball able to perhaps be as solid in the tackle as Xhaka but not be as stupid as him we'll see the difference and I think Xhaka has us in a bit of a chokehold at the moment where he's like, he knows we need him. And when we don't, I think interviews like that really wouldn't fly. So um, maybe he's done it exactly the right time. Who knows? We've had some questions in from the listeners. Uh, Leo Branks, at Leo B 
312 Uh Sorry to ask again, but in your opinion, are we finished? I no. don't think... Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, literally, we've seen... This is the Barclays, mate. Anything can happen. <laughs> I, w- I would not be surprised if United won every game until the end of this... Like, or if we then went on a fat winning streak and Spurs lost three games in a row, like well, we'll probably beat Chelsea in the week. Like, yeah, we're going to beat them like last time. We just yeah, it's do stupid. something really, really Arsenal and go and beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. That would be very Arsenal after putting in three actually shit performances. Uh yeah. Look, it's it, it's not over until it's mathematically impossible. We will still always be in with a shout. I think it's it's becoming more and more unlikely, but we will see. We will see. Uh, Passing Jackwood says, we slagged all our rivals for being poor, having unbalanced squads, having no quality, etc. And it now looks like they will all finish ahead of us. Uh, Where do we go from here? Uh, I mean, to the transfer market. And if we finish below sixth, hopefully they'll be going to the Dole Centre and we'll be looking for somewhere else. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. There's nothing we can do at this point, is there? I mean, all, all you can do is try and win the next game. I mean, that is, you know, that is the kind of the reality of football. That there is, there is always, you know, the saving grace and the the problem with it is there is always a next game. Do you see what I mean? But there's the. I, I feel as though, am I confident that this team responds and reacts? You know, we we just lost two games on the bounce in really poor conditions, and that first forty five was completely abject completely devoid of any kind of intention to play any kind of um urgency any any speed and i feel like if that's how we're going to perform after the those two results how can we expect i mean connor you're probably right we'll go out and smash chelsea five nil at Stamford bridge or something but how can we expect if we can't respond after two after those two results today how can we expect us to respond to the rest of the season that's my concern mentally about this team if we'd come out out of the blocks, absolutely smashed Southampton and, and you know, had an unlucky day and conceded one, fine. But that first 45 was not in any way a team that I expected to come out after those two games. I, 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 it's, it's really concerning. Their confidence is on the floor. You can just tell their confidence yeah. is shattered at the moment. And usually you look to your best, your big, your more experienced, your better players in that sort of situation. Our experienced, bigger and better players, one of them's party who's not in the team. The other one's Xhaka who tells the fans to fuck off. And the other one's Lacazette who can't stop eating donuts every five minutes at the training ground. <laughs> so that's the situation we're in at the moment. Honestly, it's fucking ridiculous, mate. I, yeah, I, that's I, the situation uh, we're in. Lacazette looks like he should be selling kebabs on a Friday night, not fucking playing football for Arsenal. Mate, there, there, was a, there was a thing on Snapchat the other day and he was like, there's like a meme about it now, about him like eating a load of donuts at the training ground. I was like, what is this? <laughs> And he had he done like four or five donuts out of one of these things. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to think about, but obviously it's not funny as well. Obviously he's not yeah. like overweight or fat, but like he obviously can't run, which is a problem. No, but um, it shows. What but yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't help himself, does he? Jesus Christ! It's what you said earlier though about you know these players. They know their contracts are up. Why on earth would they be busting a gut to 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 get us into the top four? It, it it makes it makes sense. Thing is with like Lacazette and Inketia though, like they look at that team at the moment. Like we ain't gonna have a striker in a couple of months. Literally, we will not have a recognised striker at this club. Maybe apart from mm-hmm. Balogun, who's obviously not ready. And there's still an opportunity there for them to actually get another deal. Like Lacazette's probably into like he's at that age where you only get you only get one decent deal left in your career, mate. Yep. And you probably could have got that at Arsenal. 
if you weren't being shit and not been able to run. Um, but he is, so that's probably out the window. Same in Ketia, like he got such a good opportunity to like stake his claim in the team sort of thing yep. with the current situation it is. But I watched a training video the other day and it had Nketia in it and this guy couldn't hit a barn door. I don't know, it may have just been that video. He might be literally Iron Robin in training, unreal scoring goals, like I'm unreal player. But like I was watching this guy in training and he was missing a lot. And you watch him on the pitch. He, uh, if he ain't in the six-yard box in, in Ketia, he is sh- not very good. He is not very good. <laughs> you you watch s- them when they're warming up before games, mate, and they and they can't. Mate, I watched... I, I went... The last game I had to see was a Wolves game. And I was watching it, and I was watching the shooting drills, and I was watching Lacazette, and just... Lord have mercy on my soul. I'm talking free shot just inside the box and it's going a good 10 yards high and wide. How? How? How are you a 30-year-old professional footballer who's been bought for £50 million and you don't have the technique to score a one-on-one in shooting drills? He should be in the prime one of his thing, career. One thing, like he always used to be very, like, he's actually, yeah, he was usually unreal. Like, he's one of the best finishers at the club for years. And then... I don't know what's happened with him this season, man. I have no idea. It's, oh, I just love Lacazette. He used to be so good. Uh, this season, he's just absolutely fallen off a cliff. He usually gets like 10, 15 goals a season every year. Mm. He's usually about, what, you wouldn't get you like 30, but he'd always get you 10, 15. Then we used to have like Aubameyang and obviously had Alexis like, filling them void sort of thing. But he is just falling off a cliff this year. What's he got? He can't have more than five goals this season. No, I refuse to believe it. He's got four, four. goals. Two open plays. Yeah, including penalties. Two open play, two penalties. Do you know all that he's never in all, uh, in all comps? I'm pretty sure because I don't think he scored in any of our Carabao Cup games. Um, do, uh, he has never scored 15 league goals for Arsenal. He's got 14, 13, 10, 13 and 4 currently this season. And the fact they couldn't see that as like a big red flag in January when they sold the only guy who's probably got the golden boot since Van Persie. Like, or obviously Aubameyang, he used to, we used, you have to create a lot of a chance for Aubameyang. Aubameyang, he'd always miss a sitter. He always used to miss a sitter for us, but he'd score. Um, he was just like, he's such a good goal scorer, Aubameyang. And I keep going on about it, but it's just, it's glaring me in the face so much. Like, what the fuck have we done? Ah, <laughs> uh, mate, I'm so angry about it. I can't get over it. That's the title of the podcast. <laughs> what the fuck have we yeah. done? Uh, yeah. At Emil Smith Rowe. <laughs> Would love to hear an accurate take. Maybe I'll sit this one out. On why people are overreacting to negative results against three straight squads with a pedigree for getting results against better opposition, especially after losing a vice captain, captain and top three midfielder in the league. Uh, because Brighton uh, didn't have a win in six. The last time Southampton won was February. Um, what other Palace big had teams? Palace won at home in 2022. Yeah. What other big teams have, you know, like, okay, Palace had two good results against City. Other than that, I don't think they'd beaten a top six club. You know, it's it's glaringly obvious why these are. It's because, it, uh, listen, I, I've said this before. If you have bad results, but great performances, there is some bandwidth given. But you, you 
because you could understand and you can go, okay, we played them off the park, but we lost Man, one nil. Look at that City game at the Emirates, like perfect. We've example. paid. We've put, as in even if even if we do that against Southampton, say for example, we absolutely pepper them, we batter them. Fraser Forster has the game of his life, and fucking James Ward Prowse smacks one from forty five yards. It takes a glaring defect deflection, and we lose one nil. That's fine because the narrative is we we were better, we were unlucky, we weren't unlucky today, we were fucking terrible. And it was yeah. the same against Brighton and it was the same against Palace. There is a difference between losing and being unlucky and you can take the the progress forward and losing because you're just just objectively poor. And that's why it's, n- it's not an overreaction. We have ended our own season by just not turning up in the last three games. Connor, is there a party going on outside your house? <laughs> Is it that loud? Oh, yeah. No, who is, who is <laughs> someone it? Someone in the street. So I just heard that there's someone in the street that made the sun shining. Yeah. I was about to say Arsenal won, but no, I'd be out there right now if we won. Sam's but, a no. fans. There is. I'll close the window. No, 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 it's <laughs> fine. It's, it's funny. It's fine. You should go join no, me. Right, honestly, it's... Go... There you go. Look, no more party. Go... We're, having, we're having a depression session. We haven't got a party and they're not having one either. They, um, you could go no. join it after. Drown your sorrows. Okay, Brad, oh, we've just it, got mate. time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Connor, this is what we do on the show. We ask an Arsenal trivia question, and I'm interested in your your answer to this one. Uh, the theme was cup final team sheets, and I would like you to name, maybe do it uh, between you, three players who were on the bench in the 2006 Champions League final for Arsenal. Three players who were on the bench in the 2006 uh, Champions League final for Arsenal. Almunia. One. Fuck, he took mine. Um, <laughs> How much bench? They're actually all pretty renowned players. No, yeah, no one's, uh, no Reyes. one's niche. Reyes, yep. Reyes was one. Third one. Um, I don't know if he played or not. Who are I'm you sure, thinking? I'm thinking of Senderos, but I can't remember if he started or not. God, Senderos. Ah, Senderos, I'm sure he was on the bench. Boom. Senderos was on the bench. It was Almunia. Senderos. (laughs) Gael Clichy. Machu Flamini was on the bench. Reyes, Bergkamp and Robin Van Persie. There you go. You know know Flamini is a billionaire. Yeah, he's got some biochemicals (laughs) thing. Have you got his number? Yeah. Have you got his Flamini number? Flamini could could legit buy Arsenal. Get him to buy Arsenal. I think we've been through this a lot actually. Te- text him, Connor. <laughs> see what he says. Uh, the theme for next oh, week. I ain't got Flamini's number. <laughs> Not that big time. Um, no. The theme for next week is Arsenal's top four battles. We all know top four is like a trophy, but can you name the last time Arsenal actually came fourth? We all know top four is like a trophy, but can you name the last time Arsenal actually came fourth? We'll answer that one next week. Bradley, have you got a theme for next week? I do. Uh, Arsenal centre-forwards that have scored more than four Premier League goals in a season. (laughs) (laughs) Could be hard, mate. More goals. Okay, we'll finish now, as we always do, with a quote from the Little Book of Arsenal. A random page. What's it say? Oh, I hate Lacazette. It's from Emmanuel Abue. Lacazette's on Le Boss. Lacazette's degeneration of ability has 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 come at the same time as degeneration of a hairline. 
Baldy <laughs> fraud. Needs to visit the Bulgaria oh. clinic that Connor went for. His teeth. Emmanuel Thuré. <laughs> <Thuret, laughs> August 2009. He's like our dad in the team. He is our dad. Every time when we get a little bit down, he always calls us to try and speak with us. And that's very important for us. And I am very, very happy to get him as our manager. Isn't that nice? Ah. Yeah, and then I remembered Lacazette still plays for us, so I'm upset again. <sighs> Lac- Mate, Connor, it gets worse. Lacazette doesn't just play for us. He's, he's your captain. He's our captain. Oh, shit, yeah. I forgot that. <laughs> shit. I hope he scores for the end of the season, because... That would be pretty bad. Yeah, that could be like one of the worst run-ins <sighs> of it in an Arsenal player's career. And I've got a joke to see us out, cheer us up. Um, Brad, you've got a joke. Come on. I, 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 listen, today's not the day we for it, mate. <laughs> between three of us can't come up with a joke. That sums it up. That sums it up. No. We are the joke. We are the joke. We are the Eddie joke. Is joke. <laughs> we are the joke. Exactly. Our transfer policy is the joke. Exactly. So I'm going to text him now. He's going to air me, and I'm call him a joke. Ring him. <laughs> Ring him now. Oh wait, no. Do you, want, do, do you want to know? What? I've got. A, I've got. A, I've got a joke for you. I've got a joke for you. Tommy Yasu got injured, came back for one game, got injured again on the 20th of January. We haven't seen him since, and we decided to give away a right back for free. It was actually in the stands the other day. On the t- on the twenty sixth, on the twenty sixth of January. So six days later, when we knew he was back out injured with another calf injury, we decided to give away a right back for free. We can't have known it would be this bad, surely. Sure. Yeah, the fact that wasn't the worst thing we gave away for free this season makes it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, we gave away the top four for free at this fucking rate, mate. <laughs> Anything else? Should we give give some other stuff away for free? Fuck me. <laughs> what's his number on the pod oh, well, for those who listen to the entire thing they can <laughs> have a little bonus oh yeah I'm going to give it away right now <laughs> stick, he it, wants it. stick it on Twitter Connor it is an absolute pleasure <laughs> as always thank you so much for coming on the podcast we appreciate it it was a pleasure mate thank you absolutely uh, I mean you all know him at Tiki Taka Connor follow him Connor Hum not Hume as I thought at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> uh, thanks Connor Appreciate it. Thank you, Bradley. Cheers, mate. Thank you. And we'll see you after Arsenal 0, Chelsea 57. Bye-bye. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.